0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. And now we're in the month of December, last month of the year. Now, in some ways, this year has gone by very, very, very slow, right? I mean, think about all the, when COVID hit and all the things that we had to do and change our lives, and we still are dealing with that. In other ways, the year has gone very, very fast. Okay, very fast. So, but we are in December, last month of the year. We have to think about what we're doing with our portfolios. And, of course, we still have a lot of uncertainty as the COVID spike continues across the nation, and at the same time, we're getting approval of uh, a vaccine. Well, at least we're supposed to get approval vaccine. And there's the race, right? Get people vaccinated, especially the healthcare workers and the people that are, you know, elderly and in danger, people with compromised immune immune systems. Those people need that vaccine as fast as possible. So the market still is going to be volatile. It hasn't resolved everything. It resolved certain things, but not everything. So we just gotta be prepared for it. You just gotta learn to deal with it. And you know, the market over the decades has always been volatile. There'll be long periods where it's not, and then there'll be long periods where it is. It's just that's it's changeable. That's it. You can't do anything about it. All you can do is learn to deal with it. I'm Steve Peasley. And today, and of course in this podcast and program, I will do my best to provide unbiased answers to any of your financial questions, any investment or financial questions we'll talk about. So anything you want to talk about, financial is open for discussion. You can call me right now. This is a live program. 888-99-CHART is the number. 888-992-4278. Okay, so what did the market do today? Well, not a lot. Not today. The Dow was up 60. The NASDAQ down 6. And the NASDAQ up 7. That's a much to do about nothing there. So nothing was to drive it up, nothing to pull it down. So that's about all you can talk about it. Just nothing there. Okay, so when you're ready, give me a Call. The show is always going to be packed full of, of questions, and that's what we do. So your call is always first. Your, first. your live call is always first. However, here's a call that came in beforehand.
2: Hey, Stephen, Justin, Chuck and Clayton. Love your show. Quite honestly, quite addicted. Just transferred a 457B into an E-Trade IRA, doing a lot of individual stock investing, but trying to put some larger amounts into some mutual funds. Came across the Payton Equity Income Fund. Paul Yellow Victor Lincoln X Ray looks like it's in a lot of value stocks and a lot of the stocks that I like to look at individually. I'm looking at it for a long-term secure investment and wanted to see what you gentlemen thought. Be looking forward to hearing about it on the podcast. Thank you.
1: Paid equity income fund. So it's not a, you got to pay attention when you hear whenever you see in a mutual fund income the word income. That means they're deriving income from something. It could be dividends, it could be bonds. Most of the time, it's bonds. So make sure that you it does does or does not have bonds. Now you can find out very easily by going to Morningstar.com. Type in the symbol, E Y V L X, and it'll give you all kinds of information. And uh so just be aware that whenever you see any title with income in it, in a mutual fund, you need to understand where that mutual, that income is coming from. And that tells you what it's holding. And chances are very high, as I said, it's bonds. So take a look at that more, more closely, if you would. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and there is no denying it, winter is sneaking up on us. Well, here on the West Coast, it's pretty mild, but maybe other parts of the country is not. So uh, some people like to ski. I've I've tried it, I've done it numerous times, and I don't know, this is not my thing. The good news though, for the rest of us, the holiday season has begun and Christmas is coming around the corner. While we adjust to a new way of celebrating, we should remember that the task of building our financial freedom must continue. The goal requires information, time, effort, and effective strategies. So, we should talk about it. If that's what you want to talk about, your participation in this show is critical. So, we're taking your calls live, 888 99 chart.
3: Look at the calendar. It's December. And the markets have been interesting, so you've got finance and investment questions for Steve and Justin. The Invest Talk phone lines are open, and your calls are welcome now. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart.
1: Okay, my focus point today concerns. What are the three factors that can help determine your ideal retirement age? Because everybody wants to retire early, or well, at least a lot of people do. I don't. A lot of people don't that I know, but most people want to retire early. Well, what's your ideal retirement age? What do you got to consider? There's three things, okay, that you got to talk about. So coming up in the show, I will give you my view on this story. Other topics I want to talk about today. Did you see the big deal, the big purchase today? Uh, it was uh, Salesforce buying Slack for $28 billion. I want to talk about how that affects Microsoft. Pfizer vaccine approved in Great Britain. Did you see that? One of the things in my head is, why is Great Britain faster in approving the vaccine than us? What? What? I don't get that. We're spending... Anyways, I want to talk about that. <laughs> okay. And stock market values... Reached levels seen in the top of the 1929 market crash just before the crash. What am I talking about? What valuation metric am I discussing? That's what we're going to talk about today if we can get a chance to do it. I think it's some interesting topics. So, but of course you always come first. So let's keep the pace moving. Here comes another caller question, this time from a listener in California.
2: Hey, Stephen, Justin, this is Jake from California. Just had a question regarding a comment Steve had recently about the amount of my portfolio that should be allocated to gold. Uh, I believe he said something like your total portfolio should be about 15%. My question is, should that be Physical gold by itself, or is that physical gold and gold mining together to total uh, a percentage of about fifteen percent? Uh, appreciate everything you guys do, and I'll be uh, looking for the answer on the podcast. Thanks.
1: Okay, I'm not keen on having physical gold as an investment. Now, don't don't misunderstand me. I like physical gold. I got physical gold. It's pretty. I like it, but it's costly. Because you got a commission to buy it and a commission to sell it. So I'd rather see you have gold positions, equity positions in gold. And <clears throat> I do not like to see you have more than 15% in any one sector, any one issue out there in, in, in your portfolio. I don't want it to dominate anything. So that's a kind of a maximum. And that depends on you. Okay, what kind of investor are you? You know, are you a very conservative investor? Do you want a lot of hedges? Well, gold would be a hedge. Are you aggressive? What are you? Are you income-focused? So you have to decide that kind of before. So when I say something over the air, well, don't have more than 15% in that that particular sector. That means for any position, like no more than 15% in uh, tech. Now, you could go to 18 You can argue with me to go to 20 in certain circumstances, but generally, you know, three positions at 3%, maybe four positions at 3% in any one sector in a balanced portfolio. And that's what I'm after, a balanced portfolio, and that's what you should be after, too. Because no one really knows which sector is going to move when exactly. There are indicators. There's sector rotation and there's, you know, there's – Different, uh, based on the economies, uh, 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 where we are in the economy from, from de- uh, de- de- recession to height of growth, there's different stocks that work differently in, those, in that cycle. Okay, so we'll see. Remember, I said we like to get to live questions as well, so we've got one now. Bob in Sacramento wants to talk about insurance. Hi, thank you. I,
4: I know a couple of weeks ago, you were saying that um, you
1: never have full coverage insurance. I never have, no.
4: So, yeah, well, I always pay cash for my cars, and I'm very conservative, uh-huh. and I've always had umbrella insurance, um,
1: over 50, good.
4: and I have several homes.
1: Right. Do you think that's
4: a bad idea to have uh, umbrella insurance? Because I know my no. car insurance is pretty high.
1: Nope. I think umbrella insurance is an excellent idea. I have umbrella insurance. What I was talking about is, okay, I buy cars. I do the same thing. I buy for cash. I just buy the cars. I save them. Buy cash. I don't buy collision insurance. I buy, I buy, and I don't buy comprehensive either. But I buy uninsured motorists because I'm. This is my thinking. I've never been in an accident where it's been my fault ever. It's always been somebody else's fault. So, their insurance should cover my damages. If they don't have insurance, that's why I have uninsured motors to cover my damages. Now, if you lease a car or you finance a car, they're going to make you have full insurance. And I have never regretted that. Now, I've had a car stolen in my lifetime. I've had a car totaled in my lifetime. So, you know, you are self-insuring. And a lot of people are not comfortable with that. I am. I like umbrella insurance a lot because the more wealth you gather the more coverage you want to protect you know the more things that you have you want to protect umbrella insurance let's say you have um 300,000 liability on your home and your cars well i i would tell you to get an umbrella of 700 x 300,000 meaning a total of a million dollars coverage and it depends on if you have other properties or businesses i may say give 5 million over a million x a million Different layers of umbrellas. It's an excellent way to cover you protect your assets and it's pretty reasonable to buy an umbrella. Haven't you find that to be so? Yeah, umbrella? I oh. I, I actually
4: have two million dollars. I have several rentals, but mm-hmm. they told me I had to have full coverage. My agent told me I had to have full
1: coverage. But no. I don't have to. On your property rentals? No, my car. No, not not it no, you do not. No, not if you don't finance it. Wow. Heck no. They want you to have it because they get the money for it. They get commissions based on how much premium you pay. You don't have to have oh it. Say, hey, I say, well, hey, ask them why you have to have it. Okay. Because they're, cause cause really they're not telling you the, tr- the truth, the whole truth. They'll say stuff like, oh, well, okay. we just want you to be protected. Yeah, but what if I want to self-insure? Well, we don't think that's a good idea. Well, that's up to you, isn't it, Bob? I mean, you know. Especially if you have older cars. Why would you, you know, if the cars are old, why would you have comprehensive collision on it? I mean, you're saving up for a new car again. Anyways, that's just my view of it. I think a lot of people would not agree with me on this. A lot. I know all insurance agents won't agree with me because they want the premium and they want their commission. Bob, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Let me spend a minute talking about uh, unique services we offer, KPP Financial. I don't want to take up too much time, but Justin Klein and I operate at KPP Financial, based on based in Everett, California, uh, on on a different kind of philosophy than other people. You know, we like. We want to be on the same side as our clients. Now, there are money managers, registered investment advisors that do that, but we're kind of unique in the fact that we buy the same things for our clients to do for ourselves in the various programs we have. I put my own money, all of my money, at risk with my clients. Now, I have programs from very conservative to pretty aggressive. So, I, you know, my age, I, I'm leaning on the more conservative stuff. But I'm still putting, I'm in every one of those programs, and that we call that parallel investing. You want to talk about it be happy to call our KPP offices in Irvine California we'll be happy to discuss it take a look at your portfolio no obligation so give me a call phones are now open my number is 888-99-CHART
3: let's take a quick look at your financial to-do list at the top Make that phone call to the Invest Talk Anytime listener line. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will provide unbiased answers to your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart.
1: 888 992 4278. Let's go to James in Sonoma. How are you doing, James? Well, we're doing pretty good uh, today. Today
4: I wanted to talk to you about uh, Best Buy. Yes. Um, um, I don't own any retail in my portfolio, ETFs uh, and stuff like that. So I've been looking at Home Depot, Lowe's, Best Buy. So what's your opinion of Best Buy? It's getting down there, which almost it's going to have some support.
1: Yeah, on a chart, let me pull that up over here. I think I looked at it yesterday. Yeah, on a chart, it looks like it's trying to, it topped and trying to hover and hold the $100 plus level, it's at $107.47. This this is a pretty critical holding spot. Is it inexpensive? No. Is it expensive? No. No. It's going to make $7.77 this year, $7.58 next year. It's a $107 stock. So what's that, about a 15 PE? Well, range ranges 8 to 20, but the return on equity is very high at 48%. Best Buy, everybody. BBY is a symbol. Operates, uh, 1,231 consumer electronics stores in the U.S. It seems to me, uh, James, that they came up with a solution for Amazon. Have you been in a Best Buy? Has anybody ever been in a Best Buy recently? Uh, one, I have. The one by me has been, it's always kind of busy. And they have different sectors of the store that have different, uh, retailers, uh, uh, Pacific Sales down here is part of one of the Best Buy down here. And there's a Pacific Sales store not that far, four miles, five miles away. And they have different things. I like Best Buy's answer. Now, I would, James, I would suggest you look at some more. How about Costco? How about uh, Target, Walmart? It's all in the same kind of categories. And I, I think Best Buy is doing well. And I think it has a good answer for Amazon. So I think, you know, you always worry about retail these days, right? The stores because of Amazon. So, whenever you look at these these uh these uh, retail stores, you look at their response to the threat of Amazon. I think Best Buy's done a pretty good job. So, I don't know, maybe wait to see if it holds a hundred dollars, and maybe wait a little while because it was down to what fifty. Uh, how much? About fifty dollars at the low. Back All along, in- yeah. Yeah, COVID days. So it's 100% return in less than a year. That's pretty good. James, appreciate the call. That was Best Buy. BBY, everybody. My focus point today concerns the question. What are the three factors, three factors that determine your ideal retirement age? Okay. So these are things you got to determine. You got to consider to say, cause you might want to retire now, but can you? Well, you got these three factors to deal with. First of all, first one, obvious, is what is your cash needs? What's your anticipated cash needs from retirement age till you die? Of course, we don't know when we're dying, do we? No one knows. But what does that need? How much money do you need monthly just to feel comfortable? So you have to determine that. And people think that's very difficult. It's not really that difficult. All you have to do is look how much money you made this last year. Here it is, December, end of the year. How much money did you make? How much money did you save? The rest you spent. That's Divide that by 12, there's your monthly expense. Now, going forward, is that going to increase or decrease? Well, that's why I always suggest you pay off your mortgage so you don't have to worry about that, even though mortgage money is pretty darn cheap these days. Okay, what's the second thing? The amount of money you've saved... And then interest rates and how they, what part they play. For instance, let's say you save a couple million dollars. You're really happy. You save a ton of money, and you put it in a, in a savings account, and you make a quarter of a percent of interest on that money. You're falling short of inflation, and we have virtually very little inflation. You're still falling behind. You're going to run out of money. You could easily run out of money because inflation will eat away at the buying power of that money. You've got to consider interest rates. You've got to consider inflation. How much money you have? And the third thing is, what kind of guaranteed income do you have? Most of us do have a guaranteed income in retirement, and that's Social Security. But maybe you has other things. Maybe you have a pension. Maybe you're lucky enough to have a pension. Most people do not. Our pension is our 401ks, and we're not saving enough money for it. But those are the three things you got to consider. The second one is a bit more complicated. What is the average inflation rate over the next 20, 30, 40 years that you're going to live in retirement? I think you should consider at least 3%, a minimum, even though it's one5 now. Long-term, our inflation is 3 3.5%. What's interest rates going to be? Right now, they're going to be cheap, and they're going to be cheap for a long time. So your money is not going to make much money, is it? If you don't, you know, you could, you could take more risk with it, go into the stock market, go into other things that would be more risky but maybe you're not comfortable with that will interest rates rise yes they'll probably revert to their long-term norm at some point a few years down the road can't tell you when but it will those are the things you got to think about everybody all investors sorry as investors we are all working to achieve financial freedom so as we go to break here's my trivia question as consumers, there are four economic concepts we should all understand. The first is scarcity. What are the other three? Four economic concepts, scarcity being one. What's the other three? I'll have the answers after the break. But for now, my phone lines are open. You can call. I want you to call 888-99-CHARTS.
0: now is a good time to call invest talk
4: i had a question on my 401k
0: we're here for you what's your question 88899 chart is how to reach steve right now on invest talk
5: let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language okay why i mean how would it come in handy and where would you want to use it could it be that you have an upcoming international trip Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI Red Teaming is the practice of stress-testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com, HackerOne.com. Have you heard about Riskalyze?
3: It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com.
1: Okay, I had a trivia question before the break. As consumers, there are economic concepts we should all understand. They need to teach these concepts thoroughly in school, starting in junior high, my opinion, and all through high school, all through college. Anyways... The first one is scarcity. What are the other three? So there are four key economic concepts that consumers should understand because they affect all their daily lives. Scarcity is the first one. Scarcity explains a basic economic problem that the world has limited or scarce resources to meet demand. That's scarcity. What is scarcity? It drives up prices. It drives innovation, too. Second one, supply and demand. Well, that's a market system that in the United States is driven by supply and demand. When the demand for a product is high and the supplies are low or restricted, the price of the product will increase. When the price increases, supply increases. So what do we got What right now? What do we have right now, a supply and demand issue? If you're paying attention right now, I think we're going to have a supply problem in oil. Why? Because the rig counts are very, very low. And if we get on top of COVID, won't that drive demand up? And isn't supply being a little bit, you know, tightened right now? See, that's how it works. That's how it works. (coughs) Excuse me. Okay. Cost and benefits is number three. The concept of cost of benefits is related to the theory of rational choice and rational expectations that economics is based on. It's pretty simple. When economics say that people behave rationally, they mean that people try to maximize the ratio of benefits to cost in their decisions. For example, I'll give you an example. If the demand for beer is high, breweries will hire more employees to make more beer. But only if the price of beer and the amount of beer they're selling justifies the additional cost of the salaries and the materials that they have to pay for to make the beer. Right? If it costs too much, why would they make more? They have to raise prices to pay for the cost. Okay, the fourth one. I'm trying to keep these explanations pretty short, so Number four, everything is in the incentives. If you are a parent a boss, a teacher, or anyone with the responsibility of oversight, you probably bend the situation of offering a reward or incentive in order to increase the likelihood of a particular outcome. Incentives. Everything is in the incentives. Economic incentives explain how the operation of supply and demand encourages producers to supply the goods that consumers want and consumers to conserve on scarce resources. Now, that's the free economic system. That's the system that we live under. That's a system that's been under attack, but that's a system that's made us the wealthiest country in the world. That's a system that brought China from being one of the poorest, largest countries in the world to one of the richest when they stopped try stop when they started a recognizing supply and demand concept. Stop. Started recognizing incentives. It's pretty simple. You just look back. You don't. You don't have to be a genius to know that a free economic system works best. To help the most people get out of poverty. Okay, let's go right back to the Invest the Talk Voice Bank. This came earlier. 99 chart. Hey, Stephen Justin, I had a quick
2: question about Spotify. Symbol S P O T. I see that their earnings are negative at the moment. Uh, their return on equity is also negative. Um, I currently don't have a position, but I definitely want to kind of get in on Spotify at some point, but uh, its current price today is around $277. I think it's a little too high, um, especially with uh, everything that's going on and the market running up recently. Uh, I'm kind of looking for a price point to get in. Uh, initially, I'm looking around maybe $200 or so, but I want to know your thoughts, to kind of be on the lookout for a certain level to kind of get to Spotify and take advantage of its gain. So I'll be listening to the show to hear your thoughts. Thanks.
1: Okay, Spotify, SPOT. Uh, it's a Luxembourg-based company provides music streaming subscriptions on service to 79 countries. You know, you can download podcasts on it, do different things. Uh, they don't make money, never made money, not going to make money next year. They're going to lose $1.38 next year. They're going to lose $3.48 this year. They lost $2.26 last year. So they don't make money, but their sales growth is very compelling. About 20% per quarter in sales growth. So at some point... They'll be cash flow positive and make profits, it looks like to me. The stock is $329 a share. So, yeah, it's way overpriced. Yeah, that that sales, that sell, people are believing in their sales. They're believing in the concept that it's going to make a lot of money at some point. And I'm not disputing that, but it's too rich for me. Uh, it it based quite some time around uh, $280, $290 Today it's at three twenty, base for months in that area. Before that, back before March, the COVID thing, it was basing in the one sixty area. So now it's breaking out of that base. This is a breakout to the upside. So I don't know where it's going to go. I don't, you know, I don't know. On a recovering world economy, this probably would do very well. Spotify, S P O T. Julie in Georgia. Julie.
4: Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Um, I have a strange situation. I bought some stock in Aaron's, AAN, and it just split off into two different companies yesterday, I guess. So now I'm, I am have some shares of A A P R G, which is Progressive Holdings. Yes, uh-huh. I'm not really sure what to do with this now. Um, yeah. I, is it like I'm starting over from scratch
1: with these two stocks? Pretty talks? much. Yeah, it makes it pretty complex. <laughs> when companies do this, and they do, some companies just spin off a piece of themselves. Like uh, Pfizer spun off a piece of itself not too long ago. And uh, I, I had a some Pfizer shares and I got rid of the little spin-off because that wasn't what I was interested in so what you need to Mm -hmm. do is look at both companies now and you got to kind of start over there was a reason why you bought errands okay so the reason that you bought errands exists still but is it in the company that they left behind or the other one that they split off okay so you got to figure that out and sometimes it's pretty hard I must admit it's pretty hard so you have to decide now. Do I want to even own either one of these? So yeah, you have to kind of start over. Hate to tell you that, but you do.
4: No. <laughs> so how? Well, one other quick question is: How does the cost basis work on this?
1: Okay, that's it's very good. If the company split down the middle, I'm just taking that as a, for example. So it was 36, now it's 18, right? So was it. It was 36 before and it's 18 now for each one of the two companies. Your cost base is split too. Okay. So if one company, if, if one company is 70% of the previous company and the new company is 30%, your cost base is split 70 30. Okay. So you got to figure that out too mathematically.
4: Yeah. Okay. All right. Wonderful? Well, thank you. That if was you, helpful. I was wait, 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 confused if, about this. If,
1: uh, Julie, if you want to send me the numbers, what you bought it for, maybe I can help you out and figure out what the cost basis for those two companies are.
4: Okay. Uh, well, if I can't figure it out, I'll do that.
1: Yeah. Send me an email. Okay. Thanks, Julie. Appreciate okay. it. See, I have a soft spot for Julie because she's my one of my favorite nieces. Julie, not just Julie in Georgia. I have a Julie in Texas. Anyways, soft spot. Okay. Microsoft. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. Uh, well, anyways, what happened is recently Salesforce, Salesforce bought Slack for $28 billion and combined two very large companies. And, and one of it, one of the reasons is competing with Microsoft. So should Microsoft respond? And why do I even, Microsoft, just so you know, owns LinkedIn, Microsoft Office, Skype, and of course, Xbox. Those are their four main Groups, okay, that make money. But Microsoft only has 5% of market share in front and back office applications, only 5%. In front and back office applications, software applications. So are they not going to be able to compete? They also have about $140 billion in cash. $140 billion in cash. So they have a pretty good... Pretty good chunk of change in which they can do something with. I don't think they should buy a huge company like like uh, Salesforce bought Slack for twenty eight billion, but maybe they should start picking up more pieces to help them get in some more of the software applications business, both ends, front and back end. Anyway, so I, I like I like Microsoft, and just so you know, we own a position in Microsoft and one or more of our managed accounts, but. You know, just, just, you know, just gotta think about it. Microsoft's done very well as far as the stock price. So, um, I just think it's very interesting that things that are going on there. And I'm not a big tech guy. I'm not smart enough to know everything. I'm not. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I encourage you to explain the financial investment information we have posted on, uh, on our Explorer, I'm sorry, on, on our website, investtalk.com. You can learn more about the various investment strategies we have there. I have about five strategies. One of is called the Discipline Equity Program, which is an all-stock, all-stock growth, maximum return type program, looking for that growth that everybody wants, but it's pretty aggressive, too. We have different programs that meet different needs, aggressive to conservative. It's a new. Now, if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you'll want to reach out to me or Justin. Yeah, KPP Financial, we'd be happy to talk to you. To a look at your portfolio, get back to you with any information you need. Even if you don't become a client, that's okay. I mean, I want you as a client, but it's okay. I want to help. So we're taking live questions now, 888-99-CHART.
3: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial where each Friday, subscribers to the KPP Premium Newsletter receive a concise and highly informative summary of the week's financial and investment news sent directly to their inbox. It really does give you a week that was roundup in a quick read. It also offers a look ahead and various process and term explanations that will be interesting to every investor. So you should be thinking about subscribing. You'll get targeted value, formatted for fast consumption when you become a KPP Premium newsletter subscriber at InvestTalk.com. The InvestTalk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART.
4: Yes, hello. I'm Terry Wiley from uh, Texas. I want to call you and ask you about a stock called Rattler out of Midland, Odessa. See what you think the future performance Could be. I know that stock is uh, very low right now. Since it's very low right now, is there any chance of bankruptcy? And just your thoughts, please. Thank you. I enjoy your show. Have a good day.
1: Okay, RTLR. I'm mentoring all my little softwares that come in front of me. It's called Rattler Midstream LP. Owns, operates, develops, and acquires midstream infrastructure use assets, meaning... They're in the midstream. So when you pump the oil and you want to get it to a refinery, midstream is in between there, right? Usually pipes. They made money. They made money ever, ever since it became public in 2016. They made uh, $1.10 in 2019. They're going to make $0.77 cents this year and a dollar seven next year. It's an $8.81 stock. It's a $1.3 billion company. Can it go bankrupt? Any company can go bankrupt. Any company. But this is a pretty reasonable price. This would be a value stock at this point. They paid a 13% dividend last. You know the, that's what the yield is right now. Return on equity is 29%. Don't have too much debt. Look pretty healthy to me. Sales have shrank in the last two quarters. Well, because of COVID. Before that, sales on average were selling were growing more than 100% a quarter. So, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty solid play. I, I wouldn't necessarily think it'll go bankrupt. That's not what's in my head. They have not very much debt and a lot of cash. Well, fifty one 51 per share. Uh, they look pretty solid to me. And it looks like a pretty good bargain to me. RTLA, RTLR, Rattler Midstream Limited Partnership. Now, LP. Now there, remember LPs, remember, Remember, there's gas, there's, uh, tax treatments are a bit different when you pay those dividends. You gotta look into, are you gonna be a K1? Meaning, are you a partner if you buy into this? If you're a partner, you get a K1, you're taxed on, even if you buy it in your IRA. So, that's a consideration. Be careful. Okay, I wanna talk about Pfizer before the end of the show, and if I can, I really, really would like to get to, uh, why, uh, the, our stock market is at the highs just before the 1929 crash of market. There is a there is a particular uh, indicator that looks a bit scary. But I want I to hopefully get to that. If I don't get to it today, I will definitely get to it sometime this week. On the Nest Invest Talk, this story. Four flags that will make getting the mortgage you want difficult. While mortgages may be more affordable now than any time in recent history, it's also become increasingly difficult to actually get approved for one. Banks are a little bit nervous. That story is for tomorrow. For now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions live, 888-99-CHARED.
0: Got a question for Steve or Justin? You're the best person to ask it at 888-99-CHART. Now's the best time.
3: This is InvestTalk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume, because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi,
4: Steve. I'm Justin Alexolis from California, L.A. And I bought some medical properties, trust, and I'm planning to buy some more. And I just would like to know your opinion on it. Love you,
1: well, I've always liked Medical Properties Trust. MPW is the symbol. It's a REIT, real estate investment trust that acquires, develops, and net leases health care facilities across the U.S. They've been very steady in their income. Uh income has not really spiked or gone down hardly at all. I mean the last what ten years the low was 98 cents a share, the highest was a dollar thirty-eight, and next year they're gonna make a dollar thirty-five. So they've been very, very steady. The dividends five point five percent. They are a ten and a half billion dollar company and sales in the last, last five quarters, well, five quarters goes up 14%, then 42%, then 63%, 52%, and 47%. Sales growth. So, uh, they do have a lot of debt, but that's what a REIT borrows money and buys property. You know, that's the way they do. So you buy this for the dividend. You don't buy it for the growth. And don't ever make anything too big of your portfolio. Just, it's just not a smart move. But I do like medical, medical properties. Read, they've been going sideways for months, basically. And I think eventually it will go higher. It's at $19.60 right now. Now, to be honest, the highest it's ever been was $21. So you can see it's been very, the lowest it's been was $14. Very narrow range. Okay. So. Stock market values reached levels seen in the 1929 before the crash or the Great Depression. Now, this is a Deutsches Deutsche Bank statement. They are citing the CAP ratio, C-A-P-E ratio. If you do not know what that is and you're investing in the stock market, I would suggest you stop investing in the stock market and learn more before you take a Stock market. So, what is the cap ratio? Cap ratio is the r- real earnings per share over a 10-year period. Okay, earnings per share over 10-year period. So, earnings per share is average over 10 years, and then that average is, is compared to the price of the market. So, what has been the cap ratio? What is the cap ratio? What has been the cap ratio? What's the high and low of the cap ratio? Right now, the cap ratio... CAPE is 31.96. What's the mean over long periods of time the cap ratio has been? The mean. 16.76. What is the medium? 15.81. Okay. Remember, right now it's at 32 and it has, and the mean is 17 and the median is 16. Almost twice. Right? Twice. Okay. Well, what's the high cap ratio? has ever been. 1999, it was at 44.19. What happened in 2000? Remember, that was the dot-com era in 1999. And it came crashing down in March of 2000. What well, was a low in the cap ratio? That was in December of 1920, 4.78. So why am I bringing this number to you? I want you to realize. That under one of the very enduring metrics, which is the cap ratio, stock market is pretty darn high. Now that cap ratio will go down while when earnings start coming back. Remember, right now we're having an earnings kind of slump because of the COVID. Thing. Don't panic. It's not a reason to panic. It's only one one metric that you look at. One. There's too many others that are going on. You, you can't just take one in a vacancy. That's what some people do. They look at this and they go, oh, my God, panic, time to get out. That's No, no. This is one. This is a concern. This is a little red flag waving in your face. But with the government spending so much money right now and the new new spending package is coming, it will drive equity. It will drive them. Okay, I'm Steve Peasley. this completes another Invest Talk program. I will return Friday with highlights of the news, the KPP New Premium Newsletter. You should listen if you want to subscribe. It is probably be valuable to you. In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family about uh, the Invest Talk. I would really appreciate it. We have uh, over 100 archived shows, podcasts, free for downloads. So get your free download at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and InvestTalk.com. And I would like you to review and rate us if you would. And if you want to listen live, you can hear the program weekday, 4 to 5 live Pacific time at InvestTalk.com. So click on the InvestTalk Live button. It is also free. Independent thinking, Share Success, everybody. Have a great night.